When I was a small child, in fact, in second grade, I was playing with one of the neighborhood kids who was in an older grade in the school that I was in. It was a Friday. And she said to me, you know there's no school Monday, don't you? I said, no, I, I didn't know that, but I was excited. So I went home and I told my parents, Mom, Dad, Leslie said that there's no school on Monday. Well, Mom and Dad hadn't heard that before. My brothers and sister who were in another school didn't know about it. They had school on Monday. But I said, she said something about it was a teacher's day. So can I go to Graham's on Sunday night and spend the night with her? Mom said, well, yeah, we can do that if you don't have school on Monday. So that's how the plans hatched through the weekend. After church on Sunday, I went home with Grandma and Grandpa to their house to spend the evening enjoying myself because it was always fun to go to Grandma and Grandpa's. Well, somewhere on Monday morning, my mother called my grandmother and said, the teacher called. She wondered where you were. <laughs> yeah, my first experience was skipping school in second grade. But there was something else that came out of that experience for me, a word that I had never heard before, a word that kind of stuck with me for a while that I really didn't like the sound of, the word gullible. Too ready or too quick to believe things. You know, I say that this morning because as we are here celebrating Easter, celebrating the resurrection, of all the things that it is, it is not something for the gullible. It is not anything that is easy to believe. I say that because I want to draw your attention to the end of Matthew's gospel this morning, right after the place in chapter 28 where the soldiers have been told they are to tell that Jesus' body was taken, and right before what we celebrate as the Great Commission. It says the following, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubted. You know, this is the elite group. This is the eleven that we just heard about in our readings for today, who all the reports were given to who heard all the things on this Easter day about what was taking place. And I wonder how many throughout the ages, through over 2,000 years of our faith, have had the same feeling as they came face to face with the resurrection that some doubted. You know, how many of us somewhere in the back of our mind haven't at one time or another said those words, if only I could have seen Jesus face to face. And yet here we are with this group of men, with this eleven on a mountain, and some doubt it. You know, I don't say that to diss the disciples that day. I say that to say that if you are somebody in your life who has struggled with the resurrection, with the fact of Jesus being raised from the dead, you are in good company. Think back again to what we talked about on Friday. How devastated this group was at the events that had taken place. How in just simply two days in that week, 
The bottom had dropped out of everything that they had hoped for, believed in, struggled for, and had learned. They had been with Jesus from the beginning. They had seen his miracles, heard his teaching, watched him walk on the water, watched him feed thousands again and again, watched him raise his friend Lazarus from the dead. And still we come to these reports at Easter. They're bewildered. They're in doubt. They're in fear. They're struggling. And it doesn't go away on day two or day three, or day four after the resurrection. In fact, in this event, it's 40 days after the resurrection. And Matthew uses the word, still some doubt it. Some still doubt. The resurrection is not for the gullible. The resurrection is not easily believed, but what the resurrection is, is for the faithful. Not that there isn't doubt in our minds at times, but it's what do we do with that doubt? You know, in Mark's Gospel, there's a section where a father came to Jesus because his son was possessed by an evil spirit. And the following interchange takes place between that father and Jesus. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, faith doesn't say, I have no doubts. What faith does is press on through the doubts. Even though some of the eleven doubted, they struggled and kept forward, and the Holy Spirit wrestled with them to bring them finally to the assurance that Jesus, the one they had seen face to face, was risen, was indeed who he claimed to be, had conquered the grave, and had given us a victory over sin and death and the power of the devil. Truly, that is the gift of the Holy Spirit that each one of us has been given, that He will continue to work in our hearts through our doubts, through our fears, that we would press on to the place where faith brings us face to face again with Jesus. You know, there was a family whose father in the early spring went out to begin to clean the garden up as many of us are doing this time of year and it was still at a time when you were allowed to burn the leaves that you would rake up in your garden and he was doing that. Unfortunately, it was a very windy day that day and the wind began to whip up those leaves so much that he got surrounded in burning leaves. They attached to his clothes and he began to burn. He tried desperately to put them out, rolling on the ground and struggling, but he was burned severely. So much so that his burns eventually took his life. The pastor went to the house of that family sometime after that just to check up on him, see how they were doing. And he found them totally inconsolable. They were devastated from what happened. They were stuck in their grief. 
They were in sorrow and in agony. And as the pastor left that home, he wondered how they would ever move on from this moment. Well, about a year later, near the anniversary of that man's death, almost before Easter, early in the year, the pastor again went to visit that family. But he found an incredible transformation had taken place. He walked in and he could sense that there was a change from the last time he had been there. He asked the wife, what had taken place to make things so different? She said, well, you know, my sister came to visit me. And she insisted when she was here that we finally go outside. You know, I wouldn't go near the garden ever again. It was just too hard for me. But she kept insisting, so I walked out with her. I was almost hysterical about coming close to the place where my husband had died. And when I got there, I shook with anguish and sorrow and fear from being there. But my sister began to read from the Easter story. And when she read those words once again, suddenly a calm and a peace came over me. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen, as he said. She said, suddenly a peace came over me in that moment. And it hasn't left me since. You know, some of you know that Sarah and I lost both of our fathers just a few short weeks ago, a week apart. And in the midst of that grief and in the midst of that sorrow, to be honest, yes, there are those thoughts that run back through your head when you're standing there with someone that you love who is dead. Is everything we believe true? Have we believed a lie? Is there a resurrection? Are we wrong? Will I see them again? But in the midst of our grief, just like in the midst of the grief that the disciples were going through, there can always be those thoughts. But faith rings true. It doesn't mean that there aren't dark nights of the soul, as Mother Teresa said, where we have doubts in the midst of trouble and sorrow. But as I said, what it means is not saying I simply can't believe this, but I'm struggling to believe that. Hear the words again from the book of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. Conviction doesn't come from simply turning away, but by pressing on, or as Luke said, by carefully investigating once again, by coming back to the Word again and again, by looking at those things that we are struggling with, by trusting that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who has promised us the Holy Spirit and has given us that deposit in our lives, will lead us from our doubts once again, into assurance. I'm sure there are some of you this morning who have gone through that struggle of coming face to face with today, with the resurrection, who have wondered whether or not it was true and the Holy Spirit has moved you on from that and you sit in a place today of being sure because of that gift. And there are others of you this morning that are still struggling. Some doubted. And you're saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
I'm here to say to you again that the resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. It is the very thing that makes it different from any other religion in the world because it is the most impossible thing to believe. And yet it is the very thing that changes everything. Jesus rose victorious that our sin would be taken away, that our assurance would be founded in Him and what He had done, that the Holy Spirit would be given to us in the midst of our doubts to bring us once again to the conviction of things not seen. Though we struggle with doubts, we press on towards the end. And as Paul said, we know that Christ is risen, the first fruits of those who sleep, and we also shall rise again so that we can stand at the grave of a loved one and know for sure the worms destroy this body, as Job said, yet in my flesh will I see God. May God grant you that strength to press on through the doubts that the Holy Spirit will bring that conviction into your life to stay in the words and trust that our Lord has a plan to give you hope and to prosper you and to bring you to be with Him again. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.